Hey listeners, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to introduce you to a brand that's all about good health and great taste. It's time to level up your beverage game with HealthAid Kombucha. HealthAid isn't just any drink. It's a wellness powerhouse packed with probiotics, antioxidants, and organic goodness. With a wide range of mouth-watering flavors, you're in for a treat with every sip. From classic flavors like cayenne cleanse and ginger lemon to the bold and adventurous pink lady apple and berry lemonade, there's something for everyone. But here's the real magic. Health Aid Kombucha is more than just a tasty beverage. It's a drink that loves your gut. It's raw, vegan, gluten-free, and never contains artificial anything. So if you're looking to boost your digestive health, support your immune system, and enjoy delicious, guilt-free refreshment, Health Aid Kombucha is your go-to choice. Ready to make your change for the better? Head over to healthaid.com and use promo code TMB for an exclusive discount on your first order. That's healthaid.com with promo code TMB. Cheers to a healthier you, and thanks to Health Aid Kombucha. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're going to be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're going to hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. This week's show, I'm here with Jack Ovadia. Jack is the founder, CEO of the Ovadia Design Group. They are high-end interior designers and architects that don't do primarily residential or commercial. They do pretty much a lot of both, fair to say? Yeah, both architecture, interior design, residential, commercial, uh, a little bit of hospitality. Really? What, and community work. What in terms of <clears throat> hospitality? Um, a couple of restaurants. So we're recently doing um, Friedman's Restaurants. It's a chain in New York. Yeah, big fan of Friedman's. <laughs> yeah. How'd you, uh, how'd you land that? So uh, I did a coffee shop for one of the partners. It's a silent partners for Freeman. It's a coffee shop in Upper East Side. And when we did that called. What's the coffee shop called again? Uh, so many years. I can't remember. From the name. one of the owners, from one what, of the now owners of Freeman's. One of the silent partners. So he owns. Got it. You know, pick a bagel. Of course. So pick a bagel. Pick a bagel. <laughs> That's been there forever. The one on uh, Lexington. There's one on 86th Street, so, right around there. Yeah. So the one on 23rd and 3rd. Yeah. Was like my bagel shop. Anytime I came to the city, since like the early 90s. So the guy who owns Pick a Bagel opened up a coffee shop. The guys behind Pick a Bagel are three partners, and one of them is Friedman's. Got it. So Friedman's hired us after they saw the coffee shop to do um, Friedman's Chelsea Market. And then we just got a call that him and his dad were sitting there and they were like, wow, this is great. And now where are we doing Friedman's on Upper West Side? So when you do something like that, what, what's under the umbrella of what you do? So we do design, we do coordination, purchasing, construction management, and delivery. Got it. All so construction things. management for you, does that mean you do like the GC work? 
we don't do the GC work, but we oversee to make sure the GCs implement what we designed. Got it. Quality so, control. Got it. So making sure they did Italian leather versus faux leather, making sure they did this wood versus that wood. Making sure everything lines up with the design. Yeah, the walls are in the right spot. The seating is done right. The leathers are selected right. The tile job is installed right. The lighting layout is right. And if you were to take your whole <clears throat> business and chop it up into 100%, what would you say like hospitality is what percent, commercial what percent, and residential is what percent? I would say residential <clears throat> is about 60%. Um, community commercial work about another 30 and hospitality right now 10%. Okay, so pretty evenly divided. Yeah, pretty close. I love that. <laughs> how, uh, how did it start? Take me back to the, give me the origin, give me the origin story. The origin story, third grade, writing and drawing on my desk till you couldn't see white anymore. Um, and basically having to sit in school till after erasing it every single week. Fast forward 11th or 12th grade in high school, sitting with the college advisor, having no idea what I wanted to do. Um, they told me I had good math skills, graphic skills and cooking skills. So we said, all right, it's either cooking, graphic design or architecture. I said, all right, we're going to check this school out that offers all three. Which was? New York Institute of Technology mm -hmm. in Columbus Circle. Let's see. They offer all three majors. I was young. I mean, college wasn't on my radar, but, you know, I was like, all right, let's go there. I'll try all three. Why not? I didn't know you couldn't major in three subjects. So um, I got accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Something funny, though. I did major in three subjects. Really? Yeah. So uh, interdisciplinary studies. Okay. Which was... So when I went to school, I had I went in as a business major. Okay. Couldn't get through the first math class. Switched to uh, media arts. Gotcha. Then I went to communications, and then I would have had to stay an extra like year and a half to like completely do communications. So we then pivoted to interdisciplinary studies, which in a sense was an entrepreneur was like an entrepreneurial major. Okay. Because instead of 120 credits of one major, it was four tiers of 40 credits, or three, three uh, tiers of 40 okay. credits. No, I wanted to major three things at you the same time. Yeah. <laughs> at the same <laughs> time. So they put me in the, so I, I applied to the school, got accepted. I had like a full scholarship, um, and, but they put me straight into the School of Architecture. And I walked into admissions office, I'm like, I don't wanna just do architecture, I wanna try everything. They're like, you can't major in three different things. You gotta stick with one. So I said, all right, I'll do the architecture. Went into it blindly, tried it. Um, was it because you, you thought there was more money in that? You had more passion for that? Um, no, you know what? When I thought about going into the restaurant business, I said, do I really want to stay up all night cooking in the kitchen and coming home every night at three in the morning? No. Um, graphic design, I never thought you'd really be able to become something out of it, not knowing that I probably would have made a lot more money as an amazing graphic design video gamer probably than... I did here, but um, I just felt like the architecture had more of a professional thing. You know, my I come from a background. I was the only person to go to college. I was my first grandson of my family. College so wasn't was, a thing. This was going to be my, my next question. I wanted to go back to that when you were talking about third grade. What was it like in your home? Because you talk about like, here's how I was like in third grade, high school. But with all of that, where did that come from? 
Uh, independence. So my father, I never knew my father. So um, it was me and my mom. My mom got remarried, but never had like a father role out of my stepdad. My father, me and him had no relationship at all whatsoever. None at all. Zero. I mean, I was born. They got separated when I was three, I think. What about your with your stepdad? What, what was so that my stepdad, like? he was more of a friend than a dad. My grandfather, in the other case, he was like my father. So when my parents got separated, he decided to take on the role as acting father for me. For sure. guidance. For guidance, for everything. But his mentality was very old school, totally different than the way I wanted to grow up. He was conservative. He came from Egypt. He had $12 in his pocket and turned it into millions. Um, but he did it through being shrewd, saving every penny. He would drive through New York City because at the time the tunnel was free and that's how we get to Jersey so he wouldn't have to pay for the Verrazano Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that's the time we got it. And I said, I never wanted to be like that. Uh, I was more of like, if I needed to, you, if I needed $1,000, but it would cost me 2,000, I wouldn't try to reduce my style. I would try to figure out how to make another $1,000. Yeah. So um, everything he taught me, I kind of didn't listen to. I just looked at, I, I, I was guided to say I wanted to do different for myself. So he was a great mentor and he was a super hard worker. He used to drive me to school every morning. Um, thinking about it now, I don't know if he drove me because he wanted to or he just didn't want to pay for me to take the bus. That's, you know. <laughs> do you remember what the conversations were like when he would drive you to school in the morning? Was uh, it ever anything about like the way to be? It yeah, save money. Save for a rainy day. You never know what's going to happen. Stop spending money. Um, a lot of complaining about everybody. Um, he loved me more than anything in the world. Love that. Yeah, which was really great. I used to go to work with him every weekend. Um, I mean, he took me shopping. He took me clothes shopping. He was like my father. Um, but the difference was is that he wasn't there with me at night. I used to sleep by his house every weekend which was great. And my grandmother used to take me to the movies while my parents worked. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, when his boy's sons got older, the father-son relationship started to drift because I got all these other grandchildren and I got 20 grandchildren, not just my oldest one. So he got, I got older, he put me through college and that was always the thing, like, don't go into what I went to, which was the retail business. You're going to go to college. You need to do a profession. I had nothing else to go into. So uh, I went into college with a profession, not a doctor, not a lawyer, but using my art skills and went into architecture. Did he ever tell you how proud he was that you went to college? Um, he. Maybe, you know, I don't remember him ever saying it. But bragging it maybe you to his friend, him, but knew, I knew. You knew him for how many decades? He didn't have to say it for you to know yeah. that, he, that he Two, two Two and a half decades, probably, yeah. till I was about 25. Um, he passed away a little young in his 70s. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, listen, I knew he definitely was proud. I guess his way of showing that he was proud is that he detached himself. Meaning, I know you could do it yourself, you could afford it yourself, you don't need me anymore. That was That's his... But the fact that you know that... And you didn't, did, did you know that at the time or did you learn that years later? Or at the time, did you think that it was abandonment? Abandonment. So at the time you thought abandonment, but then when you got older, you're like, you know what? He was there for me. And then now he's just proud because that's the old school mentality he had. Then, you know, he's probably looking down right now at this 4,000 square foot office, 10,000 10, square foot office. 
he's probably looking down at you like thank you yeah i appreciate it jackie boy you did it yeah did he call you jackie boy yeah he did yeah jack call me jack jack there we go jack 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 he had an uh egyptian accent i love that yeah he was great he was definitely very special if i had a picture you go crazy he was total buttons open tinted glasses picture it yeah real ladies man big gold watch uh, yeah, he had a gold watch, but he wasn't a materialistic person in that way. <laughs> he had a fake Rolex. He would wear a Rolex and wouldn't care. Yeah. He was his cars. That's what he spent his money on. Uh, Jaguar, convertible Jaguar, Mercedes. Like that was his thing. He was a ladies man. I love that. Yeah, he was great. Like to the nth degree. So let's go back to the origin story. So you go to college for architecture. Yep. Five year degree. Um, I'm in school, I'm side hustling. Um, you know, my first job in school is working as a party promoter for lot 61 nightclub, um, going to school all day, leaving studio at 10 o'clock, going to the club, coming back to studio at two in the morning and just repeating, sleeping in my car if I had to, um, did that for a couple of years. It was nice until I got my first architecture job through my uncle who recommended me to somebody and then um, was in until there. Almost dropped out of architecture. Really? Yeah. Um, was, uh, was it like a rock bottom moment or was it a frustration moment? It was a... Was it money or <clears throat> no. you just defeated? So there was a few things. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's killer. Um, all my friends that I went to school with and I grew up with were not in college. You know, they were all hanging out with each other, just doing typical 20-year-old things, yep. you know, hanging out getting high, chilling, and, you know, working in mail order and making crazy money selling cameras. And I'm sitting there busting my ass in college and not getting three nights of sleep during the week and then partying the other two nights and running in circles. Uh, went out one night, met a hot girl. She was in FIT. She was telling me how awesome the school was and I decided to go there and pick up an application. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got. Wait, a, wait, so did you leave NYIT to go to FIT? No, I went. I picked up the application. Uh, I said, I'm going to go into advertisement. Um, seems pretty cool. I want to go to FIT. And then I want to just be surrounded by beautiful women yeah. and do something different. Cause, well, I went to school in Tucson. I went to the University of Arizona. So okay. I can relate. Yeah, exactly. So I said, that's it. I want to do this. I want to do what everybody else is doing. I went to my mother. I told her she was working at a jewelry store on Fifth Avenue at the time. I remember like it was yesterday. We were sitting outside. I told her I'm out. She ripped me one. Like, what are you crazy? Grandpa's going to kill you. You can't do that. And then I just like, all right, I just got knocked out. And I yeah. said, all right, I stuck in it. It was good. That's the guidance that you need. Yeah, you do. You need it. Like, thank God she said that. Yeah. You didn't just go and be your independent self and make that decision. Yeah, 100%. Like, who knows what the butterfly. You got to listen to your parents. The butterfly effect on that. We probably we might not be in, maybe we would, maybe we wouldn't be in this 10,000 square foot office. No, we might be in a private suite in Giant Stadium because I'm dealing with the advertisement. But you know what? We can't look back. Yeah. I don't look back anymore. So we stuck it out. Yeah. At NYIT. NYIT. Graduated, five years degree. Um, got my first job in a residential architecture firm. Was there for about two years doing Which land. Firm? Uh, Ke Kevin Wolf Architects. Small firm uh, doing work in Douglas and Queens. I know, right there. Um, all preservation work. And um, then was young, just got married, 
And I got married while I was in college. So second year of college, I got married. Um, so I'm already two years married. And How long were you guys together before you got engaged and then married? <sighs> Six years. Met oh. in high school. Got it. Met in high school. High school sweetheart, 10th grade. Um, went into school. She saw me. We started dating. We were on and off during high school, of course. I mean, she wasn't- During college. There. No, during high school. During high school. We met in 10th grade in high school. Yeah. We dated till college. We got into a huge fight. During my time in college, we didn't talk for a year and a half. We didn't in, see each other for a year and a half. In that year and a half, you were out partying, met a girl. Oh, like crazy. Met a girl who went to FIT. <laughs> exactly. Many girls who went to FIT. Many girls. I yeah. mean, yeah, girls weren't a problem when I was younger. Um, I mean, the club scene was fantastic. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And the best part is that as a promoter, I always had a table. Yeah. Used to be back then, you would pay $40 to get into the club. Now you don't pay anymore. You just get tables. and you get. But I always got in, which was great. Um, went a year and a half. We didn't talk. Had a party at a club of a mutual friend. Saw her after about a year. Um, got totally wasted. Beyond control. Woke up the next morning saying, I need to get back together. Her best friend said, it's either you get married or you get off the boat. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I went to her house. We get a big hug. And then we're supposed to get married a year later. We got married six months later. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Which was actually a blessing in disguise because it was the only time I didn't have to take a design studio in architecture school because mm -hmm. I did a summer in Germany, which is pretty cool. That was a lot. <laughs> a lot. That was a lot. Ran into her at a club. I was like, woke up the next morning, had an epiphany. I need her in my life forever. <laughs> All right. I called her friend. We got to get back because it wasn't like, I mean, back then, like, did you have a Blackberry? Like, um, was it even a Blackberry? I don't even think so. Nextel? Maybe. I, I had Nokia Snake. You yeah. know, one of those. Uh, StarTech. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. So now you're six months later from that, you get married. I get married. We do our thing. We're living in the city. Um, she's working. She's pulling bread for us. I'm in my last year of school. Um, Part-time job. Make it through college. And... Um, in the residential architecture field. And I'm just like young, I'm 22. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I couldn't deal with the emotional aspect of residential clients dealing with their problems while I'm working with them. It's like, not for me. I picked up and went to a commercial firm called Steven Yablon Architects. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing hedge funds, Sony Music, financial institution, St. John's University. Was that fun though? It was great. Okay. It was definitely an experience detaching the emotional self yep. from the work, but it was very vigorous. Late nights, 2 a.m., crazy hours in the office. My wife gets pregnant and I'm coming home at two and she's crying saying, I can't believe this is the future of my life. That's, you know, that was the difference between residential and commercial. Residential, you were out the door six, seven o'clock, or you put in the hours that you want, it didn't make a difference. Commercial, these guys have office leases. They got spaces they need to be into. They don't have time to waste. You have to deliver. And the jobs were big. They were big. So I worked there for about two years and we had our first son. Um, and at that point, within two months of having my son, I get a phone call from a real estate development company, Hid Rock Realty. Jack, we heard about you. We want to open up a real estate construction and architecture program within our company. We're buying side street C buildings and we're turning them into side street A buildings. And we want you to handle all of them for us. They brought in a contractor, myself. I designed within a two year span, 
you couldn't even count how many offices I've done, how many lobbies I've done for them within two years. Um, and that was like really awesome to do. So I got now the commercial experience. I have a little bit of the residential experience and then I have the um, office business. And then, you know, they come up to me and they're like, Jack, we want to go partners. We love what you do. And you're how old at this point? 20. Well, how old are you when, you're, uh, when you had your first son? 22, 22, 24, Damn. 24. So I'm my first son at 24, so I'm 41 now and he's 16. Yeah. Yep. So 24, um, I go work for Hit Rock to there two years. Now we, within the second year, they say they want to go partners. Didn't work out. Uh, financial partners and working partners didn't work. I needed working partners, not financial partners. Yeah. You need productivity in this business. Um, had my second son come home. All right, I'm going out on my own. You know, after the whole partnership didn't work, I couldn't stay there anymore. So, but you learn from it. Learn from it, you know. Um, and then opened up Obadi Design Group at that point. So this was talking about 14 years ago that it's official, but I've been dabbling it two years before that, and uh, then started from there. When you started Ovadia Design Group, uh, do you remember when you came up with the name? Yeah, of course. When do you remember when you bought the domain? What so was the, that like? So the first name was actually not Ovadi Design Group. It was we called it Joad, J O A D. So it was Jack Ovadia Architecture and Design. Okay. And um, when I started, I said, you know what? I need to call it Ovadi Design Group. I didn't want to make it just about me, but I wanted to make it about the people who work for me. So that's where the group comes in. Um, and not for nothing, Ovadia also does kind of sound like an exotic word. Yeah, I'm pretty exotic. As opposed, you are pretty exotic. <laughs> as opposed to just like a last name, it's not like the Smith Group or even the Claire Group. It's Ovadia Group. Yeah. Which is, is cool. Cool, yeah. So the Ovadia, my best friend from when I was a child who literally mimicked lives with me. You know, we have kids the same age. We live three blocks away from each other in the city. We got married around the same time. His wife happened to be a graphic designer, so we hired her to do the logo for us. She came out with this really cool logo with like an O with a V and an A and a D and an I and an A and it was just like all intertwined. And then, you know, it was it was exciting. Pressure was hard, you know, but it was it was worth it. Well, what was it like getting it off the ground those first couple of years? Financially, staffing, getting your own clients and keeping your own clients? Um, in the beginning, it wasn't hard. Because you just had the connections? It was just, One, because I had the connections, but Whatever it took, it was me. You understand? Meaning what I put into it is what I got out of it. Not to say that God, I'm a big believer in God and God plans it all. But I was a guy in a small office. I had an assistant and like we were just doing great work. I didn't need a lot of money. The rent wasn't big. There wasn't a lot of employees. So and, and I was I was part of every single project. So. And I was okay. I was a workaholic. I came home, I worked. I woke up at 4 a.m., I worked. That's just what it is. So I knew I could produce the work. And I did it, I did it. But then what happens is that then people hear about you. And you finish one job, and then you finish another job. And now you start getting calls. And now you can't handle it yourself anymore. So it's either A, you tell people, I can't take on any more work. Now your reputation is, oh, this guy can't take on any jobs. He's too busy. Too busy. You never can get it. So they look at the other people. So you have to try to expand. That's when things got hard. Things got hard through expansion. And it was going from the $2,000 a month office to the $3,000 a month office 
to the $12,000 a month office, to the $30,000 a month office, every time. And that was a scary moment. Those were scary moments for sure. Um, and then the staffing. That's when things really started to feel nerve wracking. The more staff, the more overhead you get is when you, know, you realize that you stop working for yourself and now you start working for everybody else. When you first started to grow, and I know this just from myself, people I speak with, having anyone else but yourself touch a project is nerve wracking. So when you don't wanna say no to a project, so you take it on and now you're hiring, how was that for you trusting people to now take your name and do work under Ovadia, but you're not the one doing it? Oh, it's a difficult question. It's something I still struggle with till today. Of course, you'll always struggle with it. Yeah. Because um, for you, it's your name and you're a perfectionist and you've been doing it for decades, a couple decades. Um, but we go back to it's your company and you want to make sure that everything you put out is to my level of degree. Yeah, yep. I hear you. Um, it's very hard. It's very hard. All I can say is that you need to, you know, here's, I, I'll use the football game as an example. It's the quarterback, you know, Tom Brady throws that ball in the air. He could do the best job, but if he doesn't trust the guy's going to catch it, they're not going to score the touchdown. I got to trust the people that I'm putting out there. So, you know, training and selectivity and trust is really important knowing that you can just trust the people around you. Otherwise, we'll never grow. I love that. And so how many employees do you have now? Uh, how many employees do you have now and how many are ones that you will, when you get a new client, you're bringing them in? Do you have one person you bring in? Do you have like, a t you bring in the whole team right off the bat and then you delegate from there? So this matter has been kind of like a tricky thing. So at one point we were 27 people and that was, that was the downfall. That was when we gave too much trust to everybody without having enough people here long enough to know how we do things and things collapsed. And that was about two years ago. Um, in the past two years, we went down to 14 people and went back to our roots, which was important. Really always saying, you know what? I still have to be involved. I don't, want, I don't need total control, but I need to be involved. I need to be involved in everything. I need to train the people. Um, so right now where we, we, we dabble between 14 to 16 people um, and I'm really the one who gets all the business, you know, as the face of, of the company and, you know, the calls go through the office, they call for recommendation and, and they call us and then I'm the one who tries to go ahead and close the job. And do you have a, do you like a, a mentee or do you have kind of like a right hand man, right hand woman. Yeah. So we have Rachel. Mm -hmm. Rachel's like my number one, number two in the office. And she's kind of the head of the design department, which I'll call. There we go. So she's been here for about eight or nine years now. And then I have Marcy. Marcy's been here for about nine years also. And Marcy handles more of the administration and purchasing and finance part of the business. I love it. So, you know, before we got on the air, uh, we were talking about the expansion. Yeah. Tell me more about <clears throat> what the next six months look like for the company. You showed me you're building out a showroom. Tell me about that and tell me about your furniture. Cool. So, um, like you said, going back to the roots, right? So when I first started, I was always thinking about ways to, I guess, you know, they'll call it disturb the market, right? How can you differentiate yourself from the other people? 
So from a very, very beginning, my first job, I realized that the process of trying to convince a client of your design was very hard. So we were one of the first companies to do renderings. And I realized that if I do a three-dimensional rendering showing somebody their room, it's more effective than taking them shopping all day and trying to convince them to get a side table. Yep. Because they're so fixated on the one item instead of the big picture. So if I could show them the big picture on something they can visualize, it'll be much easier. So we did that and it was a home run. Forward 14 years later, pictures and videos are everywhere now social media, it's Instagram. It's like, Hey, look at this. I want exactly that. And that's great. But I want to now bring people back to a all inclusive experience. Um, so we took this office and what I'm trying to do is invest in our library, invest in our materials, invest in the full experience. So a client could come here and if we show them something and they don't like it, I can just go to the library and pick something else. They want to see a piece of furniture. We have a showroom, they can sit in it, they can touch it, they can feel it, they can start to feel interactive because they're so interactive in their phone and feel like they are yep. part of the process. We want them to actually feel part of the process. What does a closet look like? What's the drawers look like? What's your kitchen gonna feel like? And instead of dragging them to a thousand different places in the city, it could all be done here. How customizable is everything you do? You name it, we can do it. So if you show me a chair that is uh, white with gray with white with gray leather but I want any other color chair with any other color leather but I love the design of this chair we can do it swipe swap it out yeah so that's actually how we're designing our showroom so um, the showroom is going to be designed all the furniture is going to be white everything's going to be displayed in white and then you're going to have yards of fabric that you can just pull off the wall and you can just throw it on the chair to see what it's like whose idea was that we actually went that's a really good idea yeah <laughs> we went to um we went to the bdny furniture show mm -hmm. and um we that was sunday yeah we went on sunday that, yeah. we were walking the show and some lady had this booth that was everything was orange and i said what a genius marketing campaign whether or not her furniture was nice it attracted everybody just because she marketed a certain way so we kept walking and i said wow that's a great idea and i'm like wait a second we don't have to do a color. Let's do something that's so neutral that won't distract people. You can't say no to something white. If you show it in a different color, they might not like it. So let's do it in white. And then we were walking and we were trying to find a vendor that we wanted to have exclusivity to our furniture brand. Because the concept behind that furniture is we're trying to do family-friendly furniture that um, you can throw soda on it, you can throw, you know, growing family, I want to be able to make it, I'm not gonna say indestructible. Mm. And then I saw the way these fabrics were hanging. And I said, wow, this is a great idea. Let's hang the fabrics to divide the vignettes and it'll be a design feature. And at the same time, I said, wow, this is a great way for us to do the showroom without having to spending a tremendous amount of money worrying about how we yeah. design it. <laughs> so that's what we're working on now. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to spearhead it in the next couple of months. I love together. that, like how ideas come to be. It's not like you were just in a conference room. Like, hey, what do you got? What do you got? No, you were walking around. You're walking around Jazz yeah. Center and you saw this idea and you saw that and you threw it together. And then while you were walking, just because who you are, your head just like came up with. Yeah. I mean, we've been idea. trying to design this place for like a year already and we're like nowhere because we're, we're becoming so focused that we're not allowing us any organic ideas to come into fruition. And it's cost effective. Super cost effective. Grandpa would be proud. He would be crazy proud. I mean, yes. he's not proud that I'm in the office spending so much on no. rent, but it's okay. Yeah, it'd be like Jack-Jack. That is a beautiful 
beautiful showroom. Yeah, thank you. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll get that going soon. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole furniture business is great. And that's where um, I see us being able to take it to the next level. The idea is that we're able to do so many different things. We can combine metal, fabric, upholstery, marbles, stone, all within one piece. Where other places you need to get different vendors and try to get everything done in one place and interesting so what what type of partner are you looking for to push this out um like who would be like the perfect contact for you like if if the who if they were listening to this would be like damn i would be the perfect partner who do you think that is i think the perfect partner is some type of entrepreneur who wants to be part of something at an entry level stage so it's not a it's not a company that's that's that exists there's not no. like a company that you see as like no Here's not yet not yet later on when we go out to market to people that are outside of my client base right now and we become more of a brand name out there definitely yeah maybe we'd be looking for like a buyout or something like that yep. but i think we're, st we're we're at the point of now we're trying to build it from the ground up and you know we would need somebody who really can work with me because i do the creative and i've developed the design i've developed the connections to the factories i've developed the process we need somebody to now take that with alongside me and run the day-to-day -day, who can really go ahead and take the furniture business to another level because i still have the interior design business can't give up the interior design business do you do any apartment staging we thought about it. It's a very hard thing to do. Um, it's it requires a lot of overhead. You got to buy the pieces. You have to have a warehouse. You have to store it. You have to stage it. Everything we do right now is made to order, so we don't yeah. have the time. So pieces will take us three to six week six months just to get. So it's not our thing right now. We've been approached a lot of times. Right. There's like, companies who are great in it. Yeah, like I love collaboration. So like I'm thinking like if. You know, if you guys were to you know, uh, stage a home, whether it, let's say you stage a two bedroom and you now everybody is able to buy the furniture yeah. that's in there. And if you don't like this, just like you said, you could change out this color, change out that wood, change out that metal. I love that idea. And it looks like this and everything in here is Ovadia. So I love that idea. Um, somebody called us up like a week ago. It's definitely something that we probably want to consider. Um, if we have enough heads up, yes, just stage a whole entire apartment with all our furniture. There's a guy who called me up. He's doing a, um, they do 3D scans with furniture in them. It's a virtual thing. And then you can buy the furniture through the app. I did that. Uh, so like three years ago, I started doing, a, you know, Matterport. Yeah, of course. Right. So Matterport in my, I would have a Matterport of my listing where you can go in toward the listing and there would be pins. So I had these prints on the wall, hit the pin, sends you to the website where you could buy the print from the website. A vodka company, Vibe, it's a can, yeah. it's a can vodka. Okay. Um, the bar had Vibe on it. So when you're going through the Matterport, you can click the pin on the vodka and it takes you to the website ah. and you can buy the vodka from the website. And there's other products. So it was in-listing purchasing through the Matterport. Like House. Yeah. House does it for us. House is like that. If you post a picture of your work on House, you can tag oh. your pieces of furniture. 
so we can get it related back to our furniture company. Maybe we'll that. start doing it. That's a good idea. It's a really good idea. So I got an idea just sitting here talking. There we go. And there we go. We more got more will come as the day goes on. That's a good yeah. one. I'm all I'm about tell Angelina about that. Yeah, I'm all about collaboration. And I have Angelina's info, and I'll get your info. And Thank you. Any ideas that come up, I promise I won't text you at like 3 a.m. No, it's okay. You can. I'm actually up. I'll take you on that. <laughs> you um, could ask it. <laughs> so what, uh, what are you reading right now? Do you have time to read? Yeah. So actually, um, what I do is I wake up at 5 a.m. I spend the first hour. Alarm or just naturally? Um, depends on how much I drank the night before. Okay. But otherwise, it's naturally. 5 a.m. I'm up. And from 5 to 6, I try to read. Um, for the past three years, it's been, uh, I don't know if you know what Emunah is. It's Emunah books. So it's about faith, believing that everything happens. Um for a reason and it's all connected and it's good for you. So I'm reading that. It's called the daily Emunah. So it's a Jewish book, but I read that. I try to read every morning. Um, I'm also reading, uh, I just started Elon Musk's new book. Uh, I forgot the name, but I'm reading that a little bit each day. Uh, I'm reading another one called it's all in your mind by Sarah Joseph. All it's a positive time. mindset. Yeah. So I, do you do like one paperback and one audible? I don't how, do any audibles. I, do I haven't got to it. I just, I, I try to zone out and do whether it's a chapter a day, mm-hmm. um, continuously every single day. I'm very, I, I can't read for more than like a half hour to an hour. So I'll fall asleep. I do the same thing. I'm up at 6:45 before anyone in the house is up and I read for like 20 to 40 minutes. Yeah. So it's I, a great way to start your day. I don't really look great. at my phone. I sleep. Once you look at your phone, you're done. You're done. done. No matter what. <laughs> so like I sleep with my phone in the kitchen. Great. And I wake up, I go, I fill my glass back up with water. I grab my book, I sit on the couch and I read and I hear the baby crying. <laughs> I get up. That's great. Well, I let him cry for a few minutes and then I get up and got some reading in for the day. And it's a great, it's great. way to start the day. It's a great way. Um, you know, the m books are great because it really lets you kind of like focus your mind. Um, and then I'll go to synagogue from seven to eight. You do a minion every morning? I, yeah, I mean, I used to do early, I mean, I used to do nets, which is sunrise. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I did that for about a year and, um, grandpa really was proud, <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for about a year. It was good. And then I stopped doing that and I started working out again. Cause I realized I wasn't working out COVID the summers. I put on like tremendous amount of weight. So you look good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Down 30 oh. pounds since the summer. Since the summer, yeah, Mazel tov. Thank you, thank you. And so, it's also diet too. Yeah, it's all diet. Yeah, um, and found this really amazing guy that I work out with on Zoom. So during COVID, he went to North Carolina. He lives there now, but he does a Zoom workout. Give him a shout out. He's great, Ariel Scheinfeld. Ariel Scheinfeld. He's awesome. So he trains me on Zoom. It's like a group thing. You have people that you work out with, and I'm doing it consistently three to four days a week. So I'll come back from synagogue at eight. I'll work with him from like 8.15 to 9.15. And then that's it, I'm on the road from 9.15 and on. Amazing, but so you drive to work? Um, yeah, All I right. drive to work. When you're in the car, what do you listen to? My emails, so I don't okay. drive. So about during COVID, I got a driver Okay. because I'm on the road about 30% of my day. Yep, so, so you're in the back with your laptop open. Boom, boom, like yeah. Zooming, emails, because I'm with clients all day. So I'm hopping for me. If I'm not with a client, I'm with a designer. Yep. I never get downtime to sit and answer emails unless I'm in the car or at home after dinner. A lot of people think that like having a driver, well, yes, it's a luxury, but it's so much more of a necessity versus a luxury for a lot of business owners. So that's when it became a necessity. I must have almost crashed into the battery tunnel wall maybe 10 times. 
when I was COVID. My that, that was that was almost detrimental versus the, the one or two times that you actually did do it. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> um, so my father-in-law, who was a driver his whole life, and he used to drive like Beyonce and really like high profile people, which was great. He was out of a job during COVID because the person that he was driving died, whatever. And he said, all right, listen, I said, all right, so drive me while I'm here. And he was driving me and he couldn't believe how much I'm on the phone and how much talking that he told my wife that when I'm done with him, that make sure that I get a driver and I'm never not like, and also like, because I'm up so early, I can't drive at night because I'll fall asleep at the wheel. I've done it a million times. Oh, thank God. You got thank God. You know what? That's how you know there's a God. Yeah. I mean, I've had times where I fell asleep on the garden state oh, and man. I was like two lanes down. That's Crazy. so scary. It's scary. It's scary. I've had red lights. I fall asleep and my friend be like, Jack, wake up. And I'm like, he goes, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, I do this all the time. I fall asleep. So it's just so like, dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's so, dangerous. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> right, but, not, but like, you know, it's dangerous. You're not, it's, you're going to avoid it the best you can. So that's all. We got a driver and you know what? Um, his name is Hetty and he's great. Nice. Um, he's gotten to like six accidents that he started, but you know what? We still love him. So. Right. But. I mean, he spends 90% of his day on the, on the roads. So I guess then they gotta take it. Yeah, and it's New York, so it's like, New York. You know, it's it's the other people driving. It's not him. Yeah. So what's one book that you would recommend to anybody? Oh wow! See, it's so many. It's the worst memory. Um, if I could recommend one book to somebody, I remember last year it was such a great one. Maybe shut up and listen. You know that book? I don't. Um, I'm sure if I saw the cover, I'd be like, oh, it's, that one. It's by, um, it's the kind of biography or kind of a story of, you know, the guy who owns not Mark Birnbaum and Eugene, their partner, the one who owns Catch and all. Uh, catch, Catch Steak. Catch Steak. He owns the that, other not, places. They're not Talon Lava. What's his name? Who writes Shut Up and Listen? You want to check? Yes. What's his name? Yeah, it's Telman Fertitta. Okay. You shut up and listen. It's a great book. Put it on the list. Great book. Um, somebody else gave me another one. Uh, it's all about like elevator talks of um, hedge fund guys. It's, uh, something with shit in it. It was really That's great. That's up my alley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll sure get you I, that I, book. I if I Google just that. Yeah, yeah. It's a great up. book. It's a great book. Um, yeah, but right now I'm, I'm all about the self-help. You know what? It's like doing this for so long. You just affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. You, you need to like start loving yourself and getting back to the me. Yep. Too many people, especially with what's going on in the world right now. You have to focus away from themselves and they let things that they cannot control, control them. Yeah. And that's way too prevalent with most you, you, people. You got you to gotta take your ego and you got to put it inside you. You got to kind of live, you know, like with yourself and be happy with yourself and then just take that whole ego and put it aside and just start loving people with your heart and then they'll love you back. I mean, it's, I've been doing it for like about a couple of months now and you really realize the difference in the interactions. So I was going to ask you a question, but I think you might've just answered it. Give me one word of advice for anyone who's trying to make it. Um, one word of advice for anybody trying to make it would be, Don't look back. 
don't look back is probably the biggest advice I'm giving right now. Don't look at your mistakes. You know, you can go back to the Bible, right? The, the, the story of Sodom, right? Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Now you can look at it as a literal sense that she became a pillar of salt, or you could look at it like looking back is bitter. Don't look back, plan forward. Your mistakes are your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. My dude, this is a great interview. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Of course. Did you, uh, having me. Did you I love like it. This was actually good. Second time he's ever had kombucha or maybe the third time. Second. It was good, second right? time. Yeah, it was very good. Cheers. Cheers. Jack Ovadia, the Ovadia Design Group. Thank you. You're going to see more of him. Trust me. Peace.